Many of you over the years have taken beginner's classes with myself or maybe Paul or Christine. Uh, and uh, you know, in those beginner's classes, we give basic instruction for breath meditation, uh, mostly just to keep the mind on the breath and working with hindrances. And we give some basic instructions for working with uh, sensation in the body, painful sensation, and also for working with emotions. What we really try to emphasize in being mindful of emotions, and this pertains to in the meditation, usually we would work with emotion in the meditation more towards the end of the meditation when we have a real good basis of concentration, uh, but it pertains to uh, off the cushion as well. Oftentimes when we're newer in meditation, uh, working with emotion is more uh, is more pr uh, relevant outside of the meditation for us. Uh, but in both cases, uh, in the instruction, what we really try to emphasize is that in developing our skill and being mindful of, really falls under the category of mindful of mind, mindful of the states of mind. Uh, we often use that term emotion. Uh, but in being mindful of mind, what we emphasize is developing our skill in terms of being able to uh, feel emotions in the body. So to be able to learn to uh, uh, be mindful, which of course means to put the mind on, so this is uh, one of the foundations of mindfulness, to put the mind on the experience of mind, the experience of motion, as it manifests as a feeling in the body, a felt sense in the body. Sometimes we use that term felt sense. We could think of it just as physical sensation. Uh, the term in the teachings is form, form. The Pali word is rupa, R-U-P-A. So the Buddha says, First and foremost, be aware of the experience of mind as form in the body. So sometimes uh, that's just touching in. We've talked a lot over the past year or so about ABC, just bring awareness. All right, I'm feeling worry, I'm feeling concern, I'm feeling fear about the pandemic or whatever. Let me experience this as a felt sensation in the body. Uh, and then back to the breath, cultivate compassion. So. One of the things, of course, that we emphasize is not to try to feel any experience of emotion off the cushion for more than a couple of seconds on the cushion, in the meditation, uh, in, in an exercise that we might do uh, in terms of uh, being able to take some time and be aware of the different experiences of emotions. We might take more than a couple of seconds, but five or 10 seconds is usually kind of a good rule of thumb because uh, our practices to be aware of the experience of mind as a felt experience in the body. Uh, sometimes we talk about, you know, even as you feel it, you can visualize it having a color or a shape or a texture. Uh, sometimes we even use, uh, uh, you can even use a little image. Uh, you know, this feeling of anxiety is like, you know, a lawnmower blade, you know, whatever it is. But the, the key, and this is something that I always emphasize and have emphasized for many years, you know, again, even in a beginner's course, uh, 
we emphasize to learn to be able to discern, to be mindful of the experience of emotion as felt experience in the body. You know, and for some people that takes quite a while to learn to be able to develop to do, to do, uh, but it's something that we can all learn to do. Uh, and, you know, we emphasize it in the, in the beginner's class because it's a skill that, you know, you have to develop over time. So start to learn to do that, to feel it in the body. So, uh, so you know, that's our, you know, the, 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 the essence of our practice in working with emotion. There's other elements to it, of course. Uh, in uh, the Buddha's instructions to his son, Rahula, we often talk about his uh, teaching to Rahula when Rahula was uh, very young, seven years old, and he gave him the instructions on mindful action, mindful speech, and uh, paying attention to his deeds, etc. And then when Rahula uh, became uh, a young man, when he was turned 18, he, then he became a monk. Uh, the rule in the, in the, in the, uh, in the Buddha's Vinaya uh, is that you have to be 18 and have your parents' permission. Uh, so I guess the Buddha obviously gave his permission. Uh, and uh, when Rahula was 18, he became a monk. And uh, uh, not very long after uh, he became a monk, in fact, this is right at the beginning of his becoming a monk, the Buddha uh, gave uh, 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 Rahula instructions uh, that went like this. Uh, the teaching says, uh, I have heard that on one occasion the Blessed One was staying at Sawati in Jetta's Grove, Anadapindika's monastery. Then the Blessed One, early in the morning, put on his robes, and carrying his bowl and outer robe, went into Sawati for alms. And Venerable Rahula, early in the morning, so I think of father and son, off to, off to a day at work in the family business, uh, early in the morning, put on his robes, carrying his bowl and outer robe, went into Sawati for alms, following right behind the Blessed One. The, then the Blessed One, looking back at Rahula, addressed him. And remember, Rahula is just starting out as a monk, 18 years old, and he said, Rahula, any form whatsoever that is past, future, or present, internal or external, blatant or subtle, common or sublime, far or near, every form is to be seen as it actually is with right discernment. This is not mine. This is not myself. This is not what I am. So again, when the Buddha is talking about form, primarily he's talking about bodily experience, bodily sensation. We just talked about emotion as bodily sensation. Rahula, any form, uh, is to be seen as it actually is with right discernment. This is not mine. This is not myself. This is not what I am. Uh, one of the things, of course, that's important here is every form is to be seen as it actually is. So in other words, we see these forms as they actually are in real time uh, as they're arising. So uh, the essence of the Buddha's instruction on not-self uh, uh, is, is, is really quite simple. So the Buddha is giving Rahula, you know, right off the bat, this instruction on not-self. Uh, the Buddha's instruction is, on not-self is very simple. One of the things I probably should mention here is that if you kind of read through the Sutta, 
which it'll be in your notes, uh, you know, Rahula realized, well, the Buddha is giving me this instruction, I better meditate, and I better, and then he ran across Sariputta, who was one of the Buddha's disciples, and Sariputta gave uh, Rahula instructions for mindfulness of breathing. Uh, the Buddha realized he was going to have to meditate if he was going to really learn to be able to and practice seeing all form as this is not mine, this is not myself, this is not what I am. The Buddha's instructions on being mindful of not-self, which is part of the process of being mindful of our experience, if it's experience of physical sensation in the body or emotional uh, experience uh, as form, is really quite simple and, and really actually often very much misunderstood the teaching. Uh, the Buddhist teaching is, uh, is uh, uh, very important that we understand what he teaches in terms of not-self. And what he teaches is that see when you're suffering and clinging. See when you're suffering. See when you're holding on uh, to some, and if we want to talk, it could be a physical sensation, it could be an emotion like anger or fear or worry or sadness. Uh, see what you're clinging to. Uh, and again, as it actually is in real time, and it always starts with form. So if it's an emotion, is see what you're clinging to. All right, well, I'm clinging to anger or fear or worry. I feel this as sensation in the body. See the drawbacks in clinging to it. What's it like when I cling? All right, this is painful. Uh, see the impermanent and not-self nature of what you're clinging to. So this is the Buddha's instruction on not-self. See the not-self nature of what you're clinging to. Uh, see that what you're clinging to is void of self. Uh, the teaching is not, you know, and again, this is something that uh, you can support by asking questions. Is there a self here? Uh, can I find a self in this emotion that I'm holding on to? Can I find a me here? Uh, Ultimately, this is something that you can discern just by looking, that you learn to discern just by looking at the experience of form. Uh, you know, it transcends, of course, an intellectual understanding, uh, uh, and it becomes quite clear to us as we look at these experiences of form uh, that there isn't a self there. Uh, now, it's again very important to understand this is the Buddha's teaching on not-self. It's not, the Buddha completely steered away from this idea, is, is there a self or not? He wasn't concerned with that. What he was concerned with, is there a self in that which you are holding on to? Can you find a self in that which you are holding on to? So one of the ways that we like to kind of think about this teaching in perhaps the spirit of demystifying it, is see what we're clinging to, if it's this experience of emotion, if it's disappointment or anger or desire or whatever it is, see that what you're clinging to, this experience of form, see it as an object. Okay? See it as an object. See that it's just an object. It's no different, really. I mean, this is an external form. The Buddha says that in, in that passage, external forms like this mug or this cup uh, is a form. Uh, the sensation of anger or worry or whatever is the same thing. It's just an object. 
It's an object. See it in and of itself. See it in and of itself. This is the instruction. There's just this object right here in the chest that I'm feeling. Uh, separate the object from the story. You know, this, this object arises in the body and then it gives rise to a whole, uh, a whole compilation of perceptions and thoughts and narratives. Uh, but our practice is to really separate these things out. Now, the more concentration we have, the more you're able to separate these things out and to understand that, okay, there's this sensation here, the story that I'm adding onto it, so we feel this sensation in the body and then that gives rise to a whole story. These are two separate things. These are two separate things. And again, as we pay more and more attention, we begin to understand that what's happening in real time, what's happening is there's a feeling in the body. There's a sensation and it's just sensation. It's just sensation. So, uh, you know, kind of a, an example that, uh, that in, in, in trauma research that they would use uh, that's, that's akin to this would be uh, the, the notion that, uh, you know, you're walking down the street past an intersection where you got hit by a car 10 years before and the feeling arises in the body of fear and you think you're going to get hit by the car. But there's no cars around for five miles. You know, there's just this feeling in the body, but the feeling in the body gives rise to these associations, right? But it's not, those are, aren't, those are fabrications, those aren't real. What's real is the sensation in the body. So we bring our awareness to this sensation in the body. This is what's happening here right now. There's this experience of sensation. This is what this anxiety is. This is what this anger is. This is what this emotion is. Just sensation. Just sensation. No different than a twinge in the knee, no different than a scratch in the nose, no different than a little indigestion from eating a little bit too much bacon this morning. Uh, same thing, same thing. So this is, you know, again, a very, very simple but very pure and important way to learn to be able to discern emotions and understand what emotions are just sensation in the body. Just sensation in the body. And we learn to be able to, to keep it just on that level, right? So, you know, in the meditation, outside of the meditation, well, what's happened? There's this sensation in the body, tingling, pulling, tightness. Okay, label it, this is anxiety. Four or five seconds, why four or five seconds? After that, you're going to start going into the story, right? And that's, of course, typically what we do. We feel this, feels a certain way, it gives rise to all these associations and stories and narratives, etc. That's known as the fermentations, and that's where we normally are. We're out, 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 out. We're out of the body, into stories and into narratives all the time. We're always out, out, out. So what we want to learn to do is just to see that these emotions that arise are just sensations, just sensations. But it's always, it's interesting when you think about this that, you know, the Buddha gave this teaching 
to, uh, to Rahula when Rahula was just getting started out. He was 18 years old. He was 18 years old. Uh, he was just getting started out. He was just learning meditation. Uh, and of course, he, like all of us, have, have a long way to go in terms of being able to uh, see these things clearly on the level that we're asked to see them. Uh, you know, and uh, uh, one of the things that uh, we may be doing even now is, 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 is sort of debating this idea in your mind. And, you know, some of you, most of you have heard this before and know this teaching, of course, but, you know, there's still, well, no, that can't be that. Your, your practice is to look and see for yourself. You know, the Buddha is saying to Rahula, look and start to see this for yourself. You know? Look and start to see this for yourself. Uh, these aren't things that we think about. These are things that we learn to look and see. And the Buddha gives his teaching to his son uh, when his son is 18 so that he can start to develop this habit, this skill of looking at his experience in this way. So this is the proper way to look at our experience. So we want to learn to begin to look at our experience in this manner, to be able to discern emotion as felt sense in the body, as objects. These experiences of emotions are objects that we experience in the body. So, you know, we have to learn to look at the objects of clinging as objects, uh, and we look at things in this way over time, over weeks and months and years and decades. Weeks and months and years and decades. And gradually this understanding develops. Gradually this understanding goes straight to the heart. But it's a gradual process, a gradual awakening. The fancy term in Buddhism in terms of uh, how we learn to look at our experience and the way of looking and perceiving our experience uh, that we're seeking to develop is, is, is learning to have the Dharma eye or the Dhamma eye. So that when we look at experience, we see experience as it's arising, conditioned experience, as just conditioned experience, as objects. We learn to objectify our experience. We learn, so gradually, you know, when you, when you look and see things, you see them that way. You've developed that Dhamma eye. Uh, we say it's still it's like a scientist who learns if you're a, you know, if you're a botanist or a meteorologist or whatever you are, you learn to look at things and see things a certain way based on your training. As a Dharma student, we learn to look at things and see things and understand things in a certain way based on our training. And of course, the key is not to be thinking about these things. You know, again, you know, Dharma talks are food for thought, but they're really. Uh, they're really invitations to explore and look at your experience because the tendency is so often to already to get into a debate about these ideas, but your job is to look and pay attention and see for yourself. Well, this is what the Buddha is telling us. Is this true? Let me see for myself. Let me see for myself. I'm going to look and pay attention to myself, to these things for myself because, you know, it kind of has worked for people for thousands of years to learn to begin to... Uh, perceive and understand their experience in a certain way and it's led to an alleviation of suffering so you know I'm going to start to look and see if it's true but you know really you know all of these ideas are very hard to understand unless we learn to uh, look at them and see for ourselves so 
you know, the Dharma talk, again, is an invitation to look and see and pay attention. If, 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 if you look and see and pay attention and, and you don't think that that's the way things are, that's fine, you know? Uh, for myself, you know, this is what I've seen and, and I've come to understand, you know, and it, it's when we come to see things this way uh, and be able to learn to see things with the Dharma eye, uh, it's, it's, it's life-changing because we no longer hold on to these things. Our, our goal, remember, we're looking at what we're holding on to uh, because it's so painful to hold on. Mm -hmm. One of the things that can be really useful and that I really try to get people to start to do, again, right from the beginner's class, is to perceive uh, experiences of emotion, if it's anger or sadness and worry, as just an experience of anger, worry, or sadness. So in talking about the experience, uh, to, 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 to talk about it that way even. So sometimes it can even begin with talking about it and the way that you begin to perceive it begins to change if you talk about these things differently. So what that means very simply uh, is if there is an experience of anger, we don't, it, we don't refer to it as my anger or we don't say I'm angry. We say there's an experience of anger that's arising in the body. Okay, There's an experience of anger, not I'm angry my anger. Uh, so we're beginning to uh, disidentify and to objectify these experiences. So, you know, this is again a, a gradual awakening. Gradually we understand that emotions are empty, you know. This is another uh, shunyata, another word in Buddhism that you hear. And, well, what does that mean? You know, largely it has different meanings, but largely it means that experience is void of self, that when we look at experience that there's no self there, it's just experience that's coming and going out of past conditions, but this experience of anger, worry, sadness, disappointment, fear is empty. It's void of self. It's void of self. And gradually over time uh, we cultivate disenchantment with these things that are empty and void of self that aren't ours. Uh, so our, our objective over time in, in, in being mindful of our experience of emotion or sensations in the body, whatever it is that we're paying attention to, our objective in being mindful is not to try to get rid of anything, is not to try to get rid of anything, uh, but to cultivate disenchantment with that which we're holding on to. Because you can't get rid of those emotions. Those are part of your human experience. That's the challenge, right? The challenge is that as a human being, you've been bequeathed with these emotions and you know, they aren't going anywhere. You know, maybe, maybe a few millennium from now, the human being will have evolved to the point where uh, you know, these emotions, which some of them are pretty you know, you know, archaic, uh, you know, we, won't, we won't have to deal with them, but we, we have them. You know? We have those emotions. Uh, occasionally, one or two of them might be partly useful, uh, uh, but uh, you know they're part of your, uh, you know, your birthright, which you've been given, and you have to learn to to develop a skillful relationship to them. So uh, the heart of that skillful relationship is one of disenchantment. 
you know, that emotions are there, but we're not enchanted by them, which means that we're not so apt to want to hold on to them. Ultimately, there's dispassion. You know, it's, it's an interesting teaching because wisdom, the first movement in wisdom is actually disenchantment. You know, we're holding on to anger, worry, but we're kind of disenchanted with it, you know. But then gradually that moves towards more dispassion where we just don't even hold on anymore. Practice is more a practice of not holding on and letting go. So our practice in terms of emotion is to have a skillful relationship to emotion. We don't repress emotion, can't understand it if you repress it, and it's still going to plague us. So we don't repress it, uh, but, we, but we don't, uh, we don't uh, invest in it, and we don't give much weight to it. We understand the drawbacks in holding on. Uh, and we begin to understand over time that uh, you know, these emotions really don't have much use. You know? You know, they really don't have much value for us. Uh, now, you may say, but, 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 you know, there's always the but, right? Uh, you may say, but, but isn't anger useful sometimes? Or isn't this useful sometimes? Or isn't that useful? Well, that's something for you to explore, you know? That's something for you to explore for yourself and start to see that. Uh, I can't really tell you. I mean, I can tell you what my experience was. The Buddha could tell you what his experience was. That's not going to change your relationship to those emotions. What's going to change your relationship to those emotions is you looking and seeing for yourself. So don't ask me if they're useful. You know, look and see for yourself. Pay attention for yourself. Don't let anybody else tell you if they're useful or not. Look and see for yourself if they're useful. Gradually, we de develop disenchantment uh, when we look and at these uh, experiences of emotion and learn to see them as objects, and gradually we hold on less because uh, we understand that they're not worth holding on to, and we understand that we don't have to hold on to them. They're not ours, and we don't have to hold on to them. We're not, uh, we're not uh, uh, beholden to them. So the less that we hold on to the emotions, the less time we spend out, 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 in the stories, in the stories, in the stories. Uh, more and more we're able to see that these experiences of emotion are just sensation, just sensation, just sensation just tingling, tightness, pulling in the body. You know, and this is something that you can practice with right now if an emotion is coming up for you, even as I'm speaking. Can I see it as just sensation in the body? Or later on this afternoon, somebody says something to you and you feel anger or, or you feel criticized. Can you feel that just as sensation in the body for a few seconds and then go back to the breath? Just sensation. That's one of my favorite little uh, labels, just sensation. Just sensation, just this feeling in, in the chest. You know, we, we feel a little anxiety, we go into a whole story. And we spend our time in these stories, in these stories. These little feelings in the body give rise, give rise to these whole, all these stories, this outflow, outflow, outflow. So gradually we learn to see these experiences of mind for what they are, uh, 
and and we begin to free ourselves from them because you know what we come to see is that we're we're in bondage to these emotions they arise and it's like you know they 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 hold us uh, in bondage you know we can't escape them you know the escape is through wisdom the escape is through wisdom so we free ourselves from these emotions and then we're free which means that we're free to do uh, with our minds, with our time in this life, what we choose to do. Uh, we're free to turn elsewhere. And we're free to put our time and energy to better use. You know, because really that's what it all comes down to. You know, it's like, what are you doing with your time in this life? How are we spending our time? The days and nights are passing endlessly. How are we spending our time? We might tend to think about that, you know, in terms of our activities, but maybe more importantly, we need to think about how much time are we spending in these emotions, caught in these emotions, in these stories, in these narratives. How much time are we spending in that? You know, most of us spend so much time and energy caught in these emotions, holding on to them, caught in these stories, caught in these stories, a huge, huge, huge part of our life. For most people, that's most of their life, is spent in emotions, in stories, in narratives. Is that how we want to spend our time? Could our time be better spent? Could our time be better spent? Most people don't realize that they have a choice. But when you begin to understand that these emotions aren't who you are, you realize that you have a choice. You're not beholden to them. You don't have to hold on to them. They're just objects passing through your field of experience. You, know, you don't have to hold on to them any more than you have to, I have to hold on to this cup. You, know, you have a choice about what you can do with your time and energy in this life. What I would submit to you is, your time could be better spent than being caught in emotion and in stories. So gradually we turn inward, right? We turn inward, not out of the emotion and the story and the narrative as students of the Buddha. The first movement is, is inward into the body and an easeful and pleasurable abiding in the body. We replace the dis-ease of emotion and the holding on to the anger and the fear and the worry and all of that, we replace that with an internal ease, an internal abiding that's pleasurable. See for yourself if that's better. You know? this, is, this is why we develop this internal abiding. You know? This is where we want to reside, not out, 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 but in, in, in in this good home for the mind. Gradually we turn more to tranquility and stillness, stillness, silence, silence. The more we're able to come into the body, into tranquility and stillness, the more we're able to turn to the heart. Gradually we turn more to the heart. Gradually we are inclined more and more to the heart. Gradually, we live from the heart. Instead of being caught up in the emotions and in the stories, 
we reside in the body and with the heart. With the heart. That's why, you know, at the end of the meditation, I, you know, I said when we did the metta, it's like start to get to know that, you know, in the meditation we're starting to learn this is a better place to be. This is what, you know, we're learning. This is a better place to be in the body and then in the heart. But we have to come and see for yourself. You know, see for yourself and know that when we are able to live in the body with ease, with stillness, and live from the heart, then we know a greater happiness. <laughs>